good morning. Uh, as Andy said, my name is Aaron. Uh, I'm one of the elders here, so it's uh, wonderful to be together again. Uh, hopefully that will be up in a second. I'm carrying on our series in Galatians, uh, and over the last few weeks we've heard how the gospel... Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. ...is seriously good news about freedom, that we've been set free by the finished and completed work of Jesus, his life, death, burial, resurrection and ascension, and sending the Spirit to us, that we, are, we have been set free. Uh, we are able to live in freedom. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Galatians uh, chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at the second half of that. Uh, and this morning, as you're doing that, I want to reveal to you that I'm going to be talking to you about how the gospel is seriously good news about hypocrisy. <laughs> it's seriously good news about hypocrisy. So if you've got a Bible, please turn to Galatians 5. Uh, it will come up on the screen otherwise, uh, if you haven't, so you can, you can uh, follow along. Uh, but Paul's writing to the Galatians, he says this. Does he? He does. He says this. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the, by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I ask that you would continue to be with us by your Holy Spirit, that the church... Individually, we are temples of the Holy Spirit and the church being built together is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the, the place where your presence is pleased to dwell. And so I pray, continue to be with us, Holy Spirit, be our teacher, guide us, reveal the truth of the, of the word to us for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I said, we've heard the last few weeks about uh, the freedom that we've obtained through the good news of the gospel. But what happens with that freedom? What's the purpose of it? Well, I think according to Paul here, he says it's for freedom, brothers and sisters, that you were set, you were set free for freedom, but don't use that as an opportunity for the flesh. Use it as an opportunity uh, to serve one another, through love to serve one another. We'll go back to that in a second. Um, the point of this freedom is to love one another. In, in actual fact, the word that Paul uses is for, for serving is like be a servant to each other. So you're, you're set free to be a servant to one another. 
Someone once said, I couldn't find who the quote is attributed to. Love God, love your neighbor, and then do whatever you want. If you do those two things, you're set. Love God, love your neighbor, then you can do whatever you please. The point of the freedom is to love, but that's often not what happens. John Piper said this, People who try to love without relying on God's spirit always wind up trying to fill their own emptiness rather than sharing their fullness. I'm going to read that again. People who try to love without relying on God's spirit always wind up trying to fill their own emptiness rather than sharing their fullness. Does anybody know what this is? Jackie Chan, rush out. What is he saying? Yeah. He's singing the song War. War. Huh. Yeah. What is it good for? This is, this is one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history. Uh, no, it's not. But in this film, it's a, it's a very uh, iconic scene where he's basically being mocked for his uh, not being able to sing the words correctly by uh, Chris Tucker, who then they end up dancing down the street. It's very funny. Um, but war, what is it good for? This morning, I almost titled the sermon, Seriously Good News About War, which I, maybe I should have done as we prayed this morning. It was all about battling and being in a battle. And I would titled the sermon, Seriously Good News About Hypocrisy. So maybe I, I, I'm not on the right track. But Paul says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The flesh is at war with the spirit. These things are opposed to each other. Now, it's important that we're clear that the word flesh doesn't mean your physical body. Over the years, lots of people have come unstuck by verses like this, where it says that the spirit and the flesh are opposed to one another. And so they go, oh, okay, well, physical stuff is bad. Spiritual stuff is good. That's not what this is saying. Later on, it says we must crucify the flesh. You know, I wouldn't look forward to being part of that church where we crucify each other every week. It's not saying that we must deny the physical body anything it wants or that we must beat ourselves. It's, it's used as a shorthand way of saying our fallen human nature, the flesh. Paul often uses it as a, as a shorthand. What is opposed to the spirit? What is opposed to God working in us? The desires, the, the, the newborn, born again desires that we have. Our fallen human nature is at war with our new Holy Spirit nature. And the word desires there, it means overactive desires. So it doesn't mean if you're, if you're hungry, you shouldn't give your body food. It's not talking about those things. In fact, the word desires, it used to be translated this section, it said the, uh, the, desire, the lusts of the flesh which obviously paints quite a specific picture of what it's talking about. which It's unhelpful, the, the English language there. But actually what it's talking about is the fallen nature that we have. It has overactive desires. 
So I think often I like to use food as an analogy because I think that's a helpful one. It doesn't tend to offend too many people, but you, you know, you have a, your body has a desire. You have a desire for food. That's good. But we can allow, through our sinful nature, we can allow those desires to become overactive. And so instead of eating what we need or occasionally feasting, as we'll do later on today, we gorge ourselves and we overeat. We allow those desires to be unchecked. So Paul is writing here that there are two opposing sets of desires at work. The desires of the flesh, the the fallen nature, and the desires of the spirit. And these things are opposed to each other, so we end up not doing what we want to do. He's writing to Christians to help them understand that the good that they want to do, they don't always end up doing. And why, that, why is that the case? He's trying to help them understand that. In your own time, it would be worth probably reading, in light of this passage, Romans 6, 7, and 8. Because I think there's, this is a, that's a more expanded version of what Paul is talking about here. But he's saying we can't please the flesh and the spirit at the same time. If you live by one, you won't be pleasing the other. I think that's important because we often are so focused on saying no to sin that we have very little capacity left to say yes to God. I think if we busied ourselves with saying yes to what God wanted us to do, we would have very little time left actually to sin and we'd be able to shift our focus from, well, I'm not going to just refuse, refuse, refuse. I'm going to say yes to God and I don't have time for all of that other stuff. There are competing desires within the Christian. This is the normal Christian experience. So if you feel like, as a follower of Jesus, man, I, I, sometimes I want to do this stuff. I want to serve God well, or this, this, these things that I really hate, but I, I, I just I can't seem to not do them sometimes. That's the normal Christian experience. Piper again says this, A Christian is not a person who experiences no bad desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires by the power of the Spirit. What is war good for? Tim Keller says that the battle is where we grow. That's what war is good for. When we're battling these things, when we see through the power of the Spirit that we've achieved victory over these things, that's that's helpful for us. That means, oh, I'm maturing as a Christian. I'm growing. What does your output look like? Are you winning the war? Are you producing good fruit? These are the sort of slightly contrasting lists that Paul uses. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's worth noting that orgies, that doesn't, it means like drinking parties. That's what that word actually means. But um, just in case anyone was feeling sensitive. 
But that's contrasted with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's our output like? One of those is the, the, the output of the desires of the flesh. And one of them is the fruit of the spirit, the works of the flesh. What's your output like? I'll tell you, as a, a parent to three small children, when I was young, I used to have a really rotten temper. Um, really bad. Um, and actually, I, I thought, man, that's so, that's, that is so in the past. That's pre-10 years old, Aaron. Um, which you think, what sort of a temper can a sub-10 year old have? Trust me. Um, we don't need to go into that. But, man, you get tired. Your children are asking you the same question for the 15th time in a row. I tell you, there's, there's, there's fits of rage start to bubble. Um, you try and do something. It doesn't work. Why has this gone wrong? Why have I just spilt the milk everywhere? Yes, I know that you've seen this thing. There's a, there's a, a wonderful comedian. She's talking about uh, parents of small children. They want to tell you stuff, but everything they know is what you've told them. So they, they want you to be interested. But it's like, yeah, I gave you that knowledge. You don't need to tell me. Um, but these things, they, 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 can, they can come again, can't they? These, these sin, it says in, in Genesis that um, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. It's waiting for an opportunity. You're tired, you're worn out, you're fed up. Someone's just said something to you that wasn't very sensitive. That's not the point at which sin goes, whoa, hang on. Hey, I better leave them alone. Bit of weakness. That's the point where sin goes, this is my chance. This is where I can get you. This is where I can tip you over. What is our output like? Are we producing good fruit? Some people debate whether the fruit is a singular fruit that grows all together or whether they're individual things. I think it's uh, as you're filled with the spirit, you do grow in all of these areas, but you might experience particular growth in one of these places uh, more obviously. But it's important to note they're not personality traits. I think this is important because some people think, man, they've got the, they must have, they've just got so much fruit of joy in their life because someone's an upbeat person. That doesn't mean that they've got fruit, they're producing fruit of joy. It just means that their personality is predisposed to be positive. Bless you. Some people are naturally more patient. Some people have shorter tempers. But that doesn't mean that necessarily that you've got the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Actually, the fruit of the Spirit comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit in order to produce Christ-glorifying, Christ-like conformity. Bless you. I just want to... I was debating whether to talk a lot about the, the different things here, and I don't think I want to. I, I just want to highlight gentleness, particularly. Um, I think it's important to note that gentleness is not weakness. You can't be gentle if you're weak, because you're not able to be strong. You're already weak. You've got no... You're at maximum capacity, and it's weak. But if you're strong, you can be gentle. Does that make sense? And so I particularly, I want to encourage 
uh, I think obviously this is not a gendered list. This is for men and women. But I particularly want to encourage men that you are allowed to be strong. I think that's almost, uh, there's like an, there's often uh, some sort of attacks on manliness in some aspects of the culture today where I think it can be confusing to be a man. Where am I meant to fit in in this society? Because I can't assert myself in this way or I feel like I can't do these things maybe. I just want to encourage men that you can be strong. You're allowed to be strong because you have to be strong in order to be gentle. Now, as I say, I think this is a list for, for men and women, but I, tr- I just felt as I was preparing to encourage men, like, actually, it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be confident and, uh, and assertive. Don't feel you have to try and be weak in order to appear gentle. What's our list like of our production? Well, I want to encourage you. There's three things to note with producing fruit as a Christian, I think. One, it's gradual. This fruit is used as the metaphor, and we won't overstretch that, but it's gradual. It takes time. Fruit takes time to grow. You don't stick a, you know, a seed in the ground from your apple, and then tomorrow you've got an apple tree with loads of uh, apples on it. It doesn't work like that. Fruit takes time to grow. It's inevitable. If the Spirit of God is in you, it is inevitable that you will produce fruit. Even if it doesn't feel like you're doing a very good job of that at the moment, you can ask for more of the Spirit, and it's inevitable that it will happen. There's a story told of a man who was buried, uh, and as he was being buried, he had a sort of a marble slab on top of his uh, coffin, but an acorn got into uh, into his coffin, and it grew. I won't tell you what it grew into, um, like what it used to grow, but there was some obviously some stuff that it used to fuel itself growing. And actually, that acorn burst through the marble slab. An acorn. And because it, it grew, it's inevitable. It, it sort of found its way. There's lots of things where you, I mean, look up Japanese knotweed, it just destroys buildings. It grew, it just finds its way through the cracks and bursts through. Fruit, growing fruit as a Christian is inevitable. It's like that acorn bursting through marble. You'd look at those and go, which is stronger, an acorn or a big slab of marble? Actually, the crust of your sin, the crust of the the sort of difficult desires in our life, the sinful nature that we're battling with, it it will be broken through by the good news of the gospel, by the fruit of the Spirit growing in us. And it's, it's about what's inside. It's a reflection of the internal life that's flowing. The fruit of the Spirit is not trying to, to tie fruit to dead branches. You have to have the Spirit in you. You have to be being filled with the Spirit. You have to have the life of God coursing through you, otherwise it won't grow. It's like, you know, you don't say a tree is alive because you've got some oranges and you've managed to tie them onto branches. You know, a dead tree doesn't become alive because you put some fruit on there because you, you know, poke an orange on the end. In the same way, you can't, you can't grow in the fruit necessarily by just going, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do all of these things and then I'll get it. Actually, it's by encountering God. It's by God being in you. 
The two important questions here are, are you producing good fruit and do you care? Often for me, do you care is a much more a telling question. I think when we mess up, when we give in to the desires of the flesh, we, we, there's a reaction there. And the religious reaction is to go, well, what I need to do is enforce some law, get some rules in place. And those, sometimes that's helpful. But I think, I think we can try and hide things. We can go, oh, hang on, I need to hide this. I don't want anyone to know. But for me, as your pastor, what's much more important is, do you care? When, you, when a sin happens in your life, are you interested in confessing and dealing with it? Are you mourning that sin? Are you upset about it? Or are you trying to hide it? In assessing someone's spiritual maturity, for me, it's not whether or not you've sinned, but it's the attitude towards the sin being dealt with and the awareness of what remains. Charles Spurgeon said, I believe the holier a man or woman becomes, the more they mourn over the unholiness which remains in them. Do you care about this? I think we can sometimes want to present a front where actually I've got it all nailed. I'm okay. I've got, there's no sin to be dealt with. That's not true. If we, if we say that there's no sin in us, we deceive, we're deceiving ourselves. So I'm less concerned about people presenting a good front when they come in. We've said this a number of times. If you have to drag yourself into this room on a Sunday, great, you're here. I'm here is a good response. How are you doing today? I'm here. That's a good response because it's honest. It's a bit of honesty there. I think there's, there aren't enough conversations that I have where people say to me, I'm struggling with this issue or... I know that this is an area of weakness for me, but I've got this in place to sort it out, or I want you to keep me accountable for this thing. I don't have enough of those conversations. I have a lot of conversations where, yeah, everything's going well, really good. Now, maybe that's true and I'm cynical, but I want to say to you, the gospel is seriously good news about hypocrisy or perceived hypocrisy. The Christian life should be I know I'm a saint, I'm saved, I'm completely clean before God. But man, I cannot get a handle on this thing. I need my brother or sister to help me. I need you to come and pray with me. Help me be filled with the Spirit. Pray with me to be filled with the Spirit. Stand with me. That's when we start to grow. That's when there's genuine conversation can take place. Paul talks about these desires being at war. And so we, the good that we want to do, we don't do. And you can read Romans 7 to sort of get an insight into Paul's mind. But it should feel alien to us when the desires of the flesh win. It should feel weird. I know there's been times where something's happened in my life where I, I've you know, failed and I've gone, oh, I just I don't even know how that happened. I was there and then I was there. And in between, in between that moment and this moment, I'm not sure what took place. Um, and that's not a get out of jail free card or an excuse, but 
but it's like, this is just, this, this is not who I really am. That's not me living who I, my true identity. It's not absolving responsibility, but it's, it's recognizing it's not living who we truly are. How are you doing? Are you winning the war? Does your life look more like the second list than the first? Piper again says this, if the Christian life looks too hard, we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves. Paul says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. In this passage that we've looked at this morning, Paul talks about being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, here he says that those who are following Christ Jesus, those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh. Those, those desires, when they come up, what do we do with them? We need to crucify the flesh. We need to declare war on sin. We crucify the flesh by uh, dismantling and identifying and dismantling idols. What is the issue and why is it an issue? Again, if I use food as an analogy because it's fairly safe, often people who, I know this is true for me, if I'm tired, I make bad food choices. If I'm feeling a bit miserable, I make bad food choices. What is the issue? The issue is I don't eat the right stuff and I eat too much of the wrong stuff. Why is it an issue? Well, actually, maybe I'm, I'm seeking comfort from that. You know, I feel, I feel a bit better if I eat some junk for 10 minutes, and then I feel bad again, so I have to eat some more. What, what's the issue? Well, actually, I, I, I need some comfort. Where, where can I get some good comfort? Well, I can go to God. I can turn to the Word. I can have some spiritual food. I can find my satisfaction and comfort in God. And then actually, I, I've, I've waged war. I've identified and dismantled that, that issue. Be pitiless or merciless with sin. Amazon is not your friend. Do you know that? You know when you go on Amazon and it says, we've got some suggestions or some recommendations for you. There's not someone at Amazon who's gone, you know, I really know them well and I think they'd love this. They want your money. That's what they want. They're not your friend. They want your money. Recognize, be merciless. Actually, this is not my friend. This little thing, I said, desire I've got, I, I could just indulge it a little bit. It's not your friend. Be merciless with it. Be pitiless. I'm just going to kill it. Embrace the pain. Crucifixion isn't fun. Paul says, crucify the flesh, crucify those desires. Crucifixion isn't fun. It might mean, actually, hey, if this is your issue, I can't not watch you know, the naughty channels on TV. 
hey, get rid of your TV. Crucify it. Crucify the flesh. That's what you've got to do. That's what you've got to do. I heard a story recently of someone who, uh, he's got a, a, an old-style Nokia phone. And his friend said to him, he got it out and he was messaging his wife and his friend said, got a problem with porn, have you? And he said, yeah, I do actually, so I had to get rid of my smartphone. Now that guy, now that's not saying everyone who's got one of those old phones has got that issue, but, <clears throat> but what a guy. You could, you, you, there's two views you could take of that. You could look at that guy and go, man, he's got no self-control. He's so weak, he can't even have a smartphone. Or you can look at that guy and go, man, he is just ruthless with sin. What a guy. Be decisive. Don't close the windows and leave the door open. And do it daily. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily. And you take up your cross in order to, the cross is picked up in order for something to be crucified on it. In order to declare war on sin, we must crucify the flesh and keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit must understand our status. The flesh has been crucified. Now, we still have to fight these skirmishes. It's talked about often like D-Day. You know, the, the war was won, but there's still the mop-up operation, the skirmishes to be done. Actually, we are right before God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that Jesus' righteousness has been put on you. You're right before God. That's your status. But actually, we still have to work at dealing with these things. That's the hypocrisy there. We know we're right before God, but yet we still struggle with these things. How to keep in step with the Spirit. We must find our ultimate satisfaction in God. I felt to encourage people, if in your time that you spend with God, you don't sing... Try singing songs to God. Find enjoyment in God. I love the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism says that what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of human beings? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love it. That's, that's like the mantra. Of, I try and live my life by that. Can I say mantra? I don't know if that's an inappropriate term. Um, but that's like, that's my creed, I suppose. Like, my job is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, some people say enjoy, glorify God by enjoying him forever, but I'm not sure if you want to take that jump. But actually, enjoying God. You can enjoy your relationship with God. You can find satisfaction there. We keep in step with the Spirit by spending time in the Bible, not just reading it, but being changed by it. It's, it I think we can get into a routine where we, you know, it's, it's great if you read your Bible every day. That's brilliant. It's good. It's, sometimes it's like eating your veggies. You just have to get it in you and it's good. I think actually we can expect more than that, though. We should spend time with the Word of God until it changes us. Something happens. You read these words, pray over these words, repeat them, think about them in your mind, and you're, you will be changed. 
We keep in step with the Spirit by speaking to God. How much you care about something can be measured by how much you pray about it. I should lay that as a little challenge to you. Think about the things that you, you care about. How much do you pray about them? So if we believe, if we believe, as Simon said, that God is real, if we believe that and if we believe in the power of prayer, we should be praying about stuff. If you're a parent, how often are you praying for the salvation of your kids, for your kids to encounter God? We're singing that song, Be My Everything, Be My Everything. I'm holding my son and I'm saying, be his everything. I'm praying for him. He's a baby. I'm praying for him to, to come to know God. Be filled with the Spirit again and again and again. It's not a one and done type deal. We need to keep asking for more, for more. We can't exhaust the supply of the giver. We can't exhaust the Holy Spirit. He's eager to be with us, eager to shape and direct our lives. Ask again for more and more. We've talked in the past about the 20s. Our sort of, we had this sort of idea that by September 2020, so in just over sort of 12 months' time, maybe 16 months, something like that, that every member of this church would be giving £20 more than they were when we first started a month, that they would be sharing the hope that we have with 20 people through prayer and evangelism, uh, and that people would be spending 20 minutes a day with God. That seems small, doesn't it? 20 minutes a day. I think I've said this before. The statistics on how long people actually spend in devotional time with God is horrific. Like, just you would be like, that can't be right. That must surely be wrong. It's like less than minutes. Um, I think it's possible. What was this? I don't want to misquote, so I won't say exactly what it was, but it's like sub five minutes for pastors. You know, so that, that's, it's your job kind of to be in the, in the Bible and praying, but you're sub five minutes. Now, hopefully we're not that kind of church, but we're saying 20 minutes a day. If, you spend, if we all were spending 20 minutes a day seeking God in his presence, reading the word, man, we would see significant gospel impact. We'd see the kingdom of God advancing in this town. So I just want to suggest, sing one song. It's five minutes done. You pick the right song and they repeat the chorus a few times. It's definitely five minutes done. Read one chapter of the Bible and reflect on one verse. Read a chapter, pick a verse. That's your verse for the day. I would suggest doing it in the morning, this sort of thing, because I find for me, if I do it in the morning, I've definitely done it. Whereas if I go, oh, I'll find time later, it then gets later and later and later and later. But whichever time is your best time, give your best efforts to this. Sing one song, read one chapter and reflect on one verse and talk to God about the three most important things in your life. You will more than fill 20 minutes. You will more than fill 20 minutes. Uh, there's a good video of John Piper. He's... John Piper's, uh, I think he's retired or retiring. 
uh, and he was asked a question, if you could tell your 22-year-old self something, what would it be? Um, he's one of those people where they've retired, but actually they seem busier than ever. Um, and he says, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. He talks about um, reading your Bible, and he says, if you've got time to eat breakfast, you've got time to read your Bible. That's how, like for him, he would resolve as a 22-year-old man, this is the most important thing I can do. So if I've got time to eat, I've got time to read my Bible. I want to encourage you to have a similar ethic. If you've got time to eat, you've got time to read your Bible. If you don't have time to eat, then maybe we could talk about planning and scheduling and how you organize yourself. Um, yeah. The gospel is seriously good news about hypocrisy because it recognizes that there's a war of competing desires in the Christian life. That, that is the case. You have competing desires in your life. The gospel is seriously good news about hypocrisy because it reassures us that good fruit will be produced. And the gospel provides status, position, and the resources required for obedience and victory. It's seriously good news. The status and the position that we have before God are secure. And the resources required to be obedient to God, have been provided for us. I'm going to finish by praying. Um, <clears throat> and there'll be a prayer team afterwards. If you are interested in praying about something specific, then I would encourage you to do so. You can. There seems to be a big space at the front, um, but I won't encourage you to go there. If you go to that sort of back corner over there, then the prayer team will be waiting for you. I just want to yeah, pray for us as we finish. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us that you have provided for us salvation through your son. That if we've put our faith in you, if we've trusted in you, if we have confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved, we are secure, we, are, we have right standing before you that we have been adopted into your family, that you have sent your Holy Spirit into us, that by that we can cry, Father. We have adoption as sons into your, into your family. That We have that status. We are free. And Lord, I pray that we would use that freedom as an opportunity to serve one another. In that freedom, where we find, I find there are two desires in me competing: the desire of the flesh and the, the the leading of the spirit. That we would follow the spirit. We would be so enthusiastic and so keen to say yes to you, God. That our that we would be so exhausted by serving you that we would be too fatigued to sit. We would be so uh, caught up in what you're doing that moments of temptation would be few and far between. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, celebrate your goodness to Brian and Marion in their life, as we have lunch together, that this would be a moment where we feast together as a church and recognize your goodness in creation.
I pray that we would be a church who aren't afraid to confess sins to one another, to pray and ask for forgiveness because we recognize our position is secure, our shame is gone, our guilt is dealt with. And actually now we're, we're about the business of crucifying the flesh. So I pray we would be bold and confident to confess our sins to one another and receive prayer and forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. I ask you to continue to work through us to produce good fruit by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, 